0: Real stories from moms and family members who have made it from struggling to wellness and interviews with experts and advocates who work for moms and families to get the help they need. This podcast is meant to offer information and awareness and is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Hi there, everybody. Welcome back to Mom and Mind. It's me, Dr. Kat, uh, back with you again. I am bringing you today an interview with Dr. Rebecca Moore, who is a consultant perinatal psychiatrist based in East London in the NHS, as well as in private practice. And she's going to be telling us about birth trauma today. This is such an important topic. Uh, I, I can't even begin to really describe how many women are affected in both big trauma ways and smaller trauma ways Uh, related to birth specifically, and she's going to give us some information and kind of tell us uh, different ways that birth trauma can show up. I think this is very valuable information for women to have and for partners to have and healthcare providers to have. Um, It's oftentimes that we don't even know that someone is experiencing a birth-related trauma or trauma at all related to pregnancy or postpartum, it doesn't always look like what you think it might look like. Someone's trauma can be very subjective and be uh, a very internal experience. So I'm really excited. Um, Dr. Moore is, as I said before, a UK London-based psychiatrist, and she's worked in the perinatal field for 20 years And she also happens to work in a very deprived area of London, where about 50% of the population are Bangladeshi. So she's also going to give us some perspective on some of the cultural differences that she sees. She has a very special expertise in birth trauma, and she runs an annual conference in London each year, specifically focused on birth trauma. She is a 70-30 ambassador, which is a UK scheme to reduce child maltreatment by 70% in the year 2030. She's also a Winston Churchill Fellow for 2017 and was funded to travel to the US to meet colleagues here and produce a report. And she's also going to tell us a little bit about the book that she's writing on birth trauma that's due to be published in 2018. So in this episode, she's going to tell us what birth trauma is and also talk a little bit about the husband and partner's perspective around birth trauma. This is such a a rich discussion, and I'm really happy to bring this to you. It's so important, and I'd love to know what you guys think. But without further ado, let's meet Dr. Moore. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for being with us. Pleasure to be here. I would love to talk with you about the work that you do. I'm really fascinated just knowing a little bit about you so far and the work that you do. Please tell us more.
1: Okay. I am a perinatal psychiatrist, and I'm working in London. I work in the east of London in a very interesting borough. It's a very deprived area of London, and it has a very high population of Bangladeshi women, so around 50% of the women that I work with are from a Bangladeshi origin. And I work in the NHS, in a community perinatal mental health service, so that essentially means that I work with women through any stage of their pregnancy, up to a year postnatally, with any type of emotional distress through their pregnancy or the postnatal period. And I've been a perinatal psychiatrist for ten years as a consultant, which is top position in a team in the NHS. and before that, I have done various other perinatal posts throughout my career. So really, when I first started training as a psychiatrist, I had a very inspirational consultant that I was working with. I was really involved in setting up perinatal services in London and throughout the whole of the United Kingdom. And I just absolutely loved the work and have been involved in this field for around 20 years now.
0: Oh, fantastic. And is that how you got introduced to perinatal work specifically?
1: Yeah, so I was a very junior doctor. It was one of my first roles in training in psychiatry. And the consultant that I was working with was really passionate about women's health. And at that oh. time, there was awareness of maternal mental health, but not really any formalized pathways of care or treatment guidelines in the UK and she was very instrumental in setting up those pathways of care and working to develop the quality of care that women were receiving and I just absolutely Mm -hmm. loved it the work because I thought it was so important that work with women to keep Mm -hmm. them feeling well through pregnancy and I could see quite clearly the impact that it had on women and their families if they weren't feeling well so I just found it really, really amazing area to work in and develop my interest from there, really.
0: So if you can, for our listeners, kind of let us know a little bit about how a maternal mental health care is set up in the UK, because I think it's different than here yeah. in the US.
1: Yeah. So we're very lucky, really, in the NHS to there's been a huge, I would say, of the last five to ten years in particular, there's been a lot of focus on perinatal health and a lot of investment in perinatal health because there's been an awareness that there's an inequality in service provision across the United Kingdom. So some areas would have specialist services, some areas had nothing at all. So for some women living in particular areas of the United Kingdom, they just weren't receiving specialist care. So it was a real drive to map out what services existed where, and which areas of the country didn't have adequate services. And that led Fantastic. to development. Yeah, which has been absolutely amazing and has led to the development of community standards. So, the Royal College of Psychiatrists has a section focusing specifically on maternal health, and they have developed a perinatal quality network which maps out over 150 standards of gold standard care. That any woman should have access to so that's from access to services what the team should consist of how quickly they should be assessed what kind of provision they should be given and it very clearly lays out a gold standard for a community service and we're very lucky mm-hmm. and we're in my area we're we're virtually meeting all of those standards and it's really helped us to drive up quality of care for women and also to give equal care for women because historically it's been very much dependent on where you've lived, whether you can access those services or not.
2: Oh
1: my gosh. So for most of the UK now, you know, there are perinatal services, but for, you know, women living in Wales, for example, or Northern Ireland, at the moment they have very, very limited services compared to say London or other big cities. So it very much can depend on where you live. Um, if you're going to access services via the NHS. There are always private providers and there is that type of support in the UK as well. So there's very much a drive at the moment to make sure that women can access care regardless of where they live via the NHS.
0: That's fantastic and makes me wonder if it's a model that we could draw from here. You know, we have our own process here so it might not everything totally fit, but... It sounds like you guys have done a lot of work to really figure out how to, I mean, just 150 gold standards is just a beautiful number. (laughs) I don't know if we have all of that in place yet. We certainly have a lot of work to do here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's an absolutely amazing piece of work that's been carried out over the last few years. There's a lot of people that are Mm -hmm. very, very passionate about perinatal mental health in the United Kingdom. And What's been lovely about it is it's been a very collaborative approach. So there's been lots Mm -hmm. of groups that have got together, nominating people from each area, lots of meetings to think about what do we really want to provide women in their care. And these Mm -hmm. gold standards can be accessed by all. So certainly for practitioners working in the US, they're able to access those standards via the Royal College website So that might be something that is useful for people worldwide, really, to look at the standards and think about how they might work them into wherever they are practicing themselves.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you for that perspective. That's really valuable. And I'd like to learn more about your work around birth trauma and the maternal mental health impacts that you've seen just in general. But then, maybe in a short bit, also understand the cultural differences that you're seeing in such a diverse area.
1: Yes, of course. I think what became clear to me over the last few years, unfortunately, was how many women were talking to me about feeling traumatized at birth. And because I have the luxury of working with women for a relatively long period of time, and sometimes I've known these women since. They were very early in their pregnancy. I've seen them on a very regular basis. So we've really formed a connection and we really have a good amount of time at each appointment to be able to talk about things that have been happening for them. And what became clear to me was that when I was reviewing these women in my clinics, immediately after they've delivered, how many of these women were feeling subjectively traumatized by their birth experience.
0: And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains.
1: And what I mean by that is that there was a perception from them that some part of their birth experience had been traumatic. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a difficult birth or a medically dangerous birth or that they're at risk of death, but there was something about that birth experience that felt traumatic, that felt difficult, that felt they lost control and led them to feel really distressed and the literature from the United Kingdom actually shows that around 20% of women find some part of their birth traumatic. And that, that's a large you, number. that is a huge number. And I think that's what really struck me is that both in my clinical practice, I was hearing this from women. And that if you think about that as a number for us here in the United Kingdom, that represents hundreds of thousands of women <laughs> per year. Right that are having that experience now not all of those women will necessarily go on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder but Mm -hmm. they will still have a varying degree of symptoms that can still cause a huge impact on their day-to-day life Mm -hmm. and if you think about starting your transition to being a mum coming from a place where you've been traumatized during that process that makes you a mum And you start your journey feeling confused, distressed, anxious, perhaps not sleeping, perhaps having flashbacks, perhaps reliving and rethinking about your birth. And that's a really difficult place to start becoming a mum from. And unfortunately, that's what I was hearing a lot from women, that during their birth, they just felt very, very traumatized by different aspects of their birth.
0: Right. Thank you for pointing out that trauma can be experienced on a spectrum of sorts, that it doesn't have to be a PTSD and certainly that it's subjective. The mother's experience, if it's traumatic for her, then it's traumatic.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, the classic quote is trauma is in the eye of the beholder. So for me, if a woman finds her birth as traumatic, if she describes it as traumatic, then it is traumatic on paper It may be very medically straightforward, but that's Mm -hmm. relevant. It's how this individual woman perceives her birth experience. And I absolutely feel that the most important thing is that we recognize how difficult and powerful birth trauma can be. And we recognize that this is happening for a lot of women and that we validate that then for them. By really listening to their birth stories. A lot of the women that I meet nobody has ever really asked them about their birth experience. Mm. The focus is either just on the baby or Mm. you know it's assumed that because they had a quick delivery or a vaginal delivery that that was okay. There's been no exploration of how it felt and what it meant and it's really important to understand that. And that's not just from a mental health point of view. I think it's something that, you know, different healthcare professionals in different settings can still make an effort to try to understand and try to explore in case there's been something that's been very traumatic for that woman or possibly not even the yeah. woman. We mustn't forget, you know, dads in the room can be traumatized as well or birth partners. Right.
0: Right. Absolutely. If they're in a position uh, where a uh, same spectrum then for them as well, if they feel something's out of control or they're witnessing some type of trauma that they can't do anything about, Absolutely. Uh, then they may be experiencing a trauma as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. And a few recent studies published here highlighting the fact that fathers, partners in the birth room can also be traumatized themselves and the sort of growing awareness that we need to remember to check in with dads and partners as well about their experience of the birth because it can often be hugely traumatic for them. They can often feel completely lost in the room, um, feel unlistened to, unheard, feel that they can't cope with seeing their partner in pain. If something goes wrong medically, feeling very hopeless. Mm. Um, One father that I work with talked about feeling like a ghost in the room that he was invisible that of course he understood that the focus had to be on his wife at that point but that nobody afterwards checked in with him as to how he was and how he was feeling and it can be hugely traumatic for partners as well
0: right and then you know once things have medically been stabilized people sort of okay mom's fine baby's fine let's move on and really forget to check in
1: Absolutely. And often the trauma isn't actually to do with any of the interventions. It's about something else. So, if we look at women who experience birth as traumatic, we can really think of three things. So, the way a woman comes to birth. So, clearly, if a woman has a prior history of trauma or of depression, Or a pre-existing post-traumatic stress disorder, then that woman is more likely to experience birth as traumatic. Then we can think about things during the labour that can be traumatic. And sometimes that may be that a woman feels very afraid and very fearful and that there is a life-threatening medical emergency. But often it's about the way women are spoken to, the language that's used. People feeling they're being talked at or about rather than with. People feeling that they're not receiving kindness or compassion. Those things alone can cause birth to feel traumatic. And then yeah. if you think about afterbirth, sometimes it's the immediate afterbirth that causes the birth trauma. So again, it can be around themes of feeling that the care is uncompassionate or unkind or people making comments that are misperceived by women when they've just delivered and they're very vulnerable and that can be a cause of birth trauma in its own right as well so it's very very important to think about all of these different factors I'm particularly interested in the language that we use and I think that's often what has been most traumatic for women is not that there's been something difficult from a medical perspective but it's been about their perception of the care they received during their birth, when they were in pain, and they were tired, yeah. when they felt very vulnerable and very exposed. Mm-hmm. And the words we use and the language we use during that time is really crucial and really important.
0: Right. So the, the moms who are coming to meet with you and you're helping care for are describing these things pretty frequently then?
1: Unfortunately, yes. I hear stories day in day out week in week out unfortunately i'm hearing this from mums and particularly as i said less so about things being medically difficult i think if if things change and evolve medically during a birth actually if they're explained well and mum mm-hmm. feels able to participate still and have a choice then most mums cope with that unbelievably well mm-hmm. but time and time again it comes back to the language time and time again it comes back to actually that it's the language that's being used it's the care that women are perceiving it's where women feel uncared for unheard unlistened to there's a lack of basic kindness and compassion and that is what I hear as being the most traumatizing for many many women and I find that really fascinating because I wonder where that got lost because to me That's some of the basic tenets of care that any healthcare professional should be providing. It doesn't cost any money. Mm -hmm. It's something that I would see as the basic tenets of what we do. So Mm -hmm. I think it leads to a whole other thought and discussion about what is it, why is it that women are feeling that the people looking after them have lost that? And I think that that is a very interesting thing to think about as well because I do feel that actually probably a lot of the healthcare professionals working in busy, overstretched, underfunded, inner city Mm -hmm. hospitals are perhaps traumatised themselves Mm -hmm. because they are seeing things and dealing with things every day. And perhaps... that reflects in their care to women that they are actually traumatized themselves. And I think in the NHS, at times, we don't do very well at looking after our own clinical staff, and that we need to think about that a lot better than we do to to help prevent this from happening.
0: Right. Taking care of the care providers as well is also important. That is a fascinating perspective. And I believe a compassionate perspective as opposed to, you know, while they're just busy and they don't care or they don't have the time is that potentially they're dealing with their own trauma as well.
1: Yeah. And we're all busy. I mean, the NHS is a wonderful, wonderful place to work and it's full of the most amazing people, but it's also increasingly a very stressful place to work tries to do all things for all people with limited funds, it's understaffed on the whole, and it relies on the goodwill of many of its healthcare professionals to keep going. And there's a huge amount of pride in the NHS, but there is no doubt that it has become a tougher place to work over the last five to ten years. And I think, you know, we have to understand that the staff caring for women, Nobody starts off wanting to cause harm or wanting to be uncompassionate, but I think we don't protect and empower our own staff often well enough, and I think we need to give staff time to reflect and to process some of the things that they're seeing day in, day out, and that if we don't, then we run the risk of that care they're able to give suffering, because they are just emotionally worn out themselves. And it's hard to give care
0: when you feel like that. That's absolutely true. Very, very true for all of us. That's a good thing for all providers to think about. Yeah. You were stating a bit earlier that you have a high percentage of Bangladeshi women that come into your clinic. And I'm curious to know if you see any differences in coping with either trauma or perinatal mental health in general and any different needs for that population.
1: So we do see some very distinct differences. So the women we work with from the Bangladeshi community make up 50% of our caseload. They're often women where they have very little English, so we're working with interpreters, which can bring its own challenges. And I think the main difference that we would all recognise is a cultural difference in the way that mental health is perceived full stop. So Mm -hmm. there's very, there's actually no definitive word for mood in Bangladeshi. So the whole concept of sort of emotional health is thought of differently. So very often women will not talk about their mood or feeling low or feeling sad or feeling tearful but there's a huge amount of presentation with somatic illnesses and concerns. So we often see mental health expressed as physical pains and aches and symptoms. Mm -hmm. So typically women will talk about tension, headaches, body pain, as a manifestation of their emotional distress. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's a very common presentation that we see. And it's then about working with that woman to understand her meaning and perhaps trying to map it onto what we would understand to be happening and to try Mm -hmm. to find some common understanding in that. And that often works very well with using therapy. Psychological therapies can be really, really helpful. And that's a very common presentation that we would see. So in clinical practice birth trauma doesn't discriminate amongst the populations and groups of women that I work with. So although the way that trauma itself is manifest will be very different, the rates between different populations, in my experience, isn't significantly different. It's rather the way that the women present and talk about their trauma will be different.
0: Right. Okay. So as I understand, you also put on a conference about birth trauma every year?
1: Yep. So I run an annual birth trauma conference in London. It will be the third conference in January of 2018. And really it came about because I was so passionate about this area myself and I could never find a teaching forum that covered birth trauma specifically to attend mm-hmm. myself I could find courses on post-traumatic stress disorder and obviously a lot of that was talking about a military population which is a real myth I suppose in this context that women would think I can't have post-traumatic stress disorder because that just happens with war than oh, right. with birth right right so I decided to try and run a conference myself on a shoestring or no budget in the NHS at all really a labour of love and I was just overwhelmed by the generosity of people that wanted to come and speak or talk about their own lived experience of birth trauma and also a phenomenal response of people wanting to attend from all over the United Kingdom and actually we had a speaker come to the first one from Stanford Um, Mm -hmm. talking about the work she was doing there, which was absolutely amazing. And I've really found within this community that women who've experienced their own birth trauma are an amazing group of women. They're incredibly passionate. And particularly here in the UK, there's some amazing forums where they're working to raise awareness of birth trauma because it's not well-recognised. It's not well-detected. And I think commonly a lot of the referrals I will get will be that everything is classed as postnatal depression and not all illness postnatally is depression. Of course, depression is really important. It's it's crucial to know about. It's crucial to screen for. But that's not the only thing that can happen for women postnatally. And I think birth trauma really gets missed. And so the conference is just a small part of trying to raise awareness about that along with the other work that I'm doing in writing blogs about birth trauma. There's a wonderful Mm -hmm. forum on Twitter about birth trauma. So anything we can do to raise awareness and just get people to think about the fact that women can be traumatized by birth and how powerful that can be and how long trauma can sometimes take to resolve And the impact it can have for women, for their relationship with their partner, with their family, Mm -hmm. with their baby. It's really important that we understand this and try to think about that when we're working with women in the postnatal period.
4: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.
2: If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
0: So I imagine you're sort of consolidating a lot of your knowledge and experience into the book that you're writing. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so I've been very lucky in that, again, a lot of the women that I've worked with have very generously offered me the opportunity to share their story in the book. So, That's great. Which is very brave of them, and yeah. they come from a huge cross-section. Some of them are professionals, the healthcare professionals themselves, mm-hmm. so speak really beautifully about what they hope to experience and the difference in what they did experience in their care. So I have around 15 interviews mm-hmm. with women, I suppose highlighting some of the common themes that can happen after birth trauma, so a loss of control, feeling helpless, feeling angry,
2: feeling
1: yeah. bad, relationship difficulties, sexual difficulties. So all each interview, I suppose, teases out one of the common themes of things that we would see. see. And then I have the book, will discuss some of the research about birth trauma, what we know about birth trauma, there's some fascinating research being carried out here in the UK, particularly at City University. Um, with Professor Susan Ayres. She does a lot of work around birth trauma in particular. And then what I'd really like to provide women with is a beautiful section of resources in order to heal and to recover from their birth trauma. And that's not just thinking about things from a, I suppose, classically psychiatric perspective. Mm -hmm. So not just about Medication, which I think is a lot of women's fears that that's all they will be offered. Mm -hmm. But really thinking about all the different kinds of treatments and therapies and supports that can help women to recover.
0: And what have you seen for the women who are coming in and getting the support? How have you seen them be able to cope and heal?
1: I think that I feel very hopeful that working with most women, that they can recover Mm -hmm. and they can heal. But I think often women want to get better very quickly which is understandable because they have a new baby to care for right. and I think trauma unfortunately has no time frame and mm-hmm. sometimes it can take a long time to process and recover from trauma so I yeah. think I, I always try to have very open and honest discussions with women about the fact that this may take some time to heal that for the vast majority of women it will heal. I think I like to work in a very holistic way and would think about all different kinds of options that can be helpful for women. So that might be women asking to see their medical records, going back to speak to their midwife or obstetrician. The evidence on that is mixed. Some women find it very, very helpful. Some Mm -hmm. women don't. Mm -hmm. But it should always be offered as a choice. For some women, they will have specific trauma-focused therapy, which we offer within my team. So that might be using a mixture of cognitive behavioural therapy, compassion-focused therapy, or EMDR. might be offered if they have a significant post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. Some women find music therapy, art therapy movement therapy very helpful if they find it harder to verbalize their mm-hmm. feelings and I think particularly with trauma for women it's often about their connection with their body they feel yeah. that either they failed or their body's failed or that they can't trust their body mm-hmm. anymore so sometimes it can be really helpful to do things that can help you reconnect with your body and that might be yoga exercise meditation mindfulness For some women, I think it's really helpful for them if they have a caesarean birth
3: Mm -hmm. and
1: have a scar. They might have some work around the scar, massaging the scar, Mm -hmm. can be very, very powerful and can help them to sort of re-assimilate their body from before and now. Sometimes women will find writing very helpful. I always encourage women to write down their birth story as a journal, as a blog, as a letter to somebody. Even if they never post it, that can be very, very helpful for women, I think. Sometimes it might be about work with the couple, couple therapy, because there's often a lot of anger between in relationships or sexual re- difficulties in relationships, after-birth trauma. Sure. And sometimes it might be work specifically around that parent-infant bond. So for some women, in the most dramatic sense of sense, I suppose their baby is their trauma. So they find it very, very difficult to be around and connect with their baby because it is such a potent trigger and reminder of their birth experience. So we would sometimes use specific parent-infant psychotherapy, which would work with mum and baby in the room to help them connect and foster that relationship. So there's a huge amount of ways in which women can begin their journey of feeling better from birth trauma. And we would always work with women in a collaborative way and support them in, in the way that felt right for them. Sure, Always involve their partners as well, yeah. fully, because that's really important
0: for healing. I love that you highlighted so many of the different ways that people can heal. Certainly moms who are and partners who are feeling traumatized have no idea how they're going to feel better. And just to hear that there's a list of ways that in and of itself can give hope. So I really appreciate you giving that list and sharing that with everyone. Yeah,
1: I mean, I absolutely would always want women to feel there is hope. I understand in the moment, in the grips of a difficult birth experience it can feel very difficult and frightening and overwhelming and that things will never change right. and will never get better but they will and I think it's really important to let women share their birth story and take their time and really listen and really hear it and sometimes that in itself can be all the treatment that a woman needs Right. Well, I've sometimes sat with women and listened to them talk and cry for over an hour. And actually, when they've come back and seen me, they've said that in itself was the most powerful thing. And that was what has helped me the most, is here is feeling heard, is somebody respecting and listening to my story. So actually, that in itself is a very simple way to help women feel a little better but I absolutely believe that women should have choice and should be aware of everything that is out there and that can be helpful for them. And I think, personally, I have no issue with a woman choosing any of those choices. It has to be whatever feels right for her. And I will aim to work with a woman in the way that feels best and right for her.
0: That's beautiful. I thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and your experience. And now I feel like maybe I have a reason to go to London. (laughs) Well, please come. You're most welcome. (laughs) to come and check out the birth trauma conference. It sounds like a great event and very useful. And I really also look forward to your book coming out and keep us posted on those dates so that we can go out and get more information and more support.
1: I will do. And thank you so much for this opportunity. It's something that I'm so passionate about. And if I could just say to women, whether you're in London or in America, but if this has been an experience that you have had, please talk to someone about it. Seek help. There are lots of options and lots of choices. And please tell somebody about how it's been for you and how you're feeling.
0: Thank you so much, Rebecca. Thank you. Wow, there's so much to know around perinatal mental health and and birth trauma specifically is such an important piece that we're learning more about and hopefully that is helpful for you guys to be hearing about. You know, sometimes when people listen to these episodes, they realize, oh my gosh, that's me. I had a birth trauma and I didn't even realize it. And it can be so empowering to know that what you're feeling is a thing. It's not just in your head. It's not just in your mind. Um, We often don't register certain things as being traumatic or traumatizing until it's reflected back to us. And uh, we can get some context for why we feel the way we feel. So I'd love for you guys to send me any questions you have about this episode and about birth trauma. And also please reach out to Dr. Rebecca Moore. Uh, She's on Twitter at dr underscore bjm. And I'll have that in the show notes for you. I'm sure she would love to be connected, answer any questions that you have about birth trauma. If you guys haven't yet checked out our new Facebook group, Mom and Mind Connection, Please come join us over there. It's a space for us to talk about these topics, discuss things that come up in the podcast, and a place for you guys to connect with each other and uh, pool resources and make sure that we are doing everything we can to bridge the connections and get resources and information and awareness to the people who need it most. Until next time, guys. Thank you for joining us today. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, help is available. Please look for resources for help at momandmind.com. Also, please subscribe and share this podcast. Together, we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Thank you for being a part of the Mom and Mind community.
4: Well, hey there, busy mama.